Welcome to the Post Ride Cafe with your hosts, Sam and Aaron. The podcast all about cycling. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Post Ride Cafe. I'm Sam. This is Aaron. Welcome to episode 37. What's up, dude? Not much, man. Not much. Tour de France is over. I, I would say normally you have like those Tour de France blues, but... We got another two stage races and like everything else coming up after yeah, this. World Championships next week. We got some classics coming up, the Giro and then the Vuelta. So not the same sort of uh, Tour de France blues for sure. But yeah. Well, this week we're going to well finish talking about the Tour de France, see what happened there, who won, how everything finished out. Uh, we're also going to quickly talk about the last stage of the Trino Adriatico, and we're going to preview World Championships next week. So Should be good. Well, how can people find us? Yeah, they can get to us uh, at Post Ride Cafe on Instagram and at Post Ride Cafe on Twitter. Awesome. Well, I kind of already prefaced this last week, but let's get into our Strava stats of the week. Stats, man. Yeah. Well, one of us has stats. I have zero. <laughs> um, we talked about this. I'm kind of gearing up for a wedding in a couple weeks, so I've kind of been doing a lot of odds and ends and uh, little things I got to take care of, so I haven't been able to ride my bike. And then also we went camping this weekend, so just... Didn't really have any chance to ride my bike, but I did get a, a six-mile, 1,000-foot climbing hike in. So I'm not, didn't do nothing. So not yeah, something on there. That's right. Uh, yeah, so a little bit of a different week for me. Um, go into in a second, but at 45 miles riding, um, 1,400 feet climbing on the bike, and 15.6 of kind of tra um, trail running and hiking, uh, 2,800 feet of elevation gain. Yeah. No, it was... Uh, cool hike you know for me i just only did that one hike we went camping up in the white mountains and there's this cool little hike uh called mount baldy which it's not the mount baldy from california so <laughs> no um uh, but it was still a cool little hike great views up there i mean obviously not cycling related but i just like outdoor stuff and i, I assume most people who watch bike races or, or bike like i mean it's cross outdoors. training yeah it's good for the quads that's for sure yeah so for me, I'm going to also have it not a uh, bike ride this week. Uh, so a little bit different. I'm, I don't know. I was just trying to keep motivation uh, sometimes and just ride a lot of miles. And at some point, I don't know, it's just not the most fun thing in the world at times if you're just constantly doing the same kind of thing. Uh, so I was going to Flagstaff next weekend, and I wanted to try to train up and get a better time on the hike up to Mount Humphreys, which is the tallest point in Arizona. And so I'm, that's what I'm kind of changing up a little bit on there. So I've been doing trail running and hiking. Uh, and first couple were pretty rough. And uh, this last one I did right before we left, I did a run on, on a trail that I had done a lot and took, uh, basically it's a 1.6 mile uh, climb. And I was running up that and took two minutes off my my PR, which was from 2016 when I was actually running quite a bit more and yeah. and stuff like that. So, I, I mean, awesome. I knew I was pushing it hard, but when I first started at the week before or at the beginning of the week, I, I felt terrible. So Yeah, well, I wanted, I knew we were going to go hiking this weekend, and so I wanted to do, instead of my, I could have, I only was able to squeeze one thing in during the week, and so I wanted to get a little hike in because I just haven't hiked in a while, and I didn't want to go and do a six-mile, you know, hike with some climbing and just have nothing in my legs. And Thank God I did because that sucked. Like, it felt it was a really good hike, and like I told you, my cardio was really good, actually. Usually I'll, I'll kind of spike my, my heart rate, but since I've been doing more riding, 
It actually went well, but my legs were dying for like four days. I had nothing but doms. <laughs> it was pretty crazy. It was like I did leg day for the first time in a decade or something. Yeah, I looked to the uh, the hike that we did um, yesterday uh, up camping. It was the I think our maximum elevation was ninety seven hundred feet. So pretty yeah. high. Like I mean, yeah. especially coming from Phoenix, where what. A thousand ish or something. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I definitely felt the elevation yesterday. Yeah, on that final climb, <laughs> doing some steep stuff. It yeah. it takes it out of you real quick. But it was cool. I mean, kind of just talking a little bit about, like you said, just change of pace or a little cross training. I mean, it's just nice to do more than one thing and just ride a bike or whatever. Which is it's always fun, but it is nice to get a hike in here and there. It's good for your hamstrings. It's good for your other muscle groups because biking only does like one type of muscle. So yeah. You know, shaking up your muscles a little bit is muscle confusion principle or whatever. It's always good, and just mentally it's fun. Yeah, and I think kind of we go back to, I mean, neither of us are pro cyclists or anything near that capacity. And, and so Definitely not anywhere near that. <laughs> I mean, so at some point it's, you know, why put all your effort into that and and not get some other enjoyments if you're like, hey, I want to go on a hike or I want to go and be good at something else that's like that too. It's Yeah. Nothing wrong with it, I feel like. Exactly. No, it was it was nice, change, like you said, change of pace to kind of hike a little bit. I don't do it as much as I'd like because if I had to pick, I like biking a lot more than hiking, but I do enjoy hiking, so I would like to do split some time, and right now I just don't have any, so yeah. I'll take almost every chance I can to go biking. But I will say after this week coming up, I'll probably be heavier back on the bikes oh, because for this sure. weekend coming up, I have be ready for the climb. Yep, exactly. Well, that's awesome. Let's get into some race coverage now. Into the let's get into the world of pro cycling. So we finished up Torino Adriatico. At the when we last left off last week, we had one more stage on Monday, and Simon Yates was in yellow, and it's a little ten mile prologue, and I think he only had like a thirty second advantage over Grant Thomas, and you know G can time trial pretty well. Yeah, Yates, like a lot of these guys who are GC riders these days. They just can't really time trial. And so it was kind of interesting to see if, if he would be able to hold off um, G and keep the yellow. But we did think in that short of a time trial that usually there's, and pretty flat, like mm -hmm. there's not that big of gaps on there. Yeah, and so we were, honestly, I wouldn't have been surprised either way. Yeah. But I was thinking like if he's going to keep it, 36 seconds is a lot to lose in 10K. So um, in the end, he did do enough to keep it and win Torino Adriatico, which was Cool, like we talked about last week, pretty cool trophy. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, really, the story of this was just Felipe Ghana just put on a clinic. Dude, insane. I, I think they said the fastest time trial that's ever been done and on and out and back so that there was no potential for, you know, being all tailwind or something like that. Yeah. Uh, just pretty insane. So, I mean, obviously he's going to be, He's been doing well this whole season. Um, we haven't seen him much earlier in the season when he was looking really good, and I think in Argentina or Colombia, forget which one of the races. Um, Just a powerhouse. I mean, but yeah, obviously he's he's going to be very ready for Worlds. Yeah, well, we saw him earlier in Torino, just doing a lot of pulls and doing a lot of stuff for G. Like the guy just is a power machine. He's mm -hmm. like, I mean, you can't really compare him to anybody. He's himself, but you know, kind of reminds you a little bit of Tony Martin when he was in his time trial peak, just like a lot of power, and he can just put it down. And Ghana, we were talking over the weekend, I couldn't remember how old he was. I knew he was young, but yeah, he's 24, so a touch older than I thought. I thought he was 23, but yeah, I mean, guy's up and the guy's got a strong career looking for for. I would say he's just going to get stronger and stronger in that kind of um, um, field, that it's 
I think I think it lends itself to being a slightly older rider in time trial. Like you get that kind of little muscle memory abil um, ability to suffer. Like yeah, usually you kind of round into form pretty well as you age. You get a little bit better uh, muscles and, and everything else. So yeah, looking like Ghana is going to be the next guy we talk about. The you know could very well be the next guy we talk about. Pure time trial guy. So yeah. pretty interesting as far as takeaways of this entire Torino. You know, this is the lead-up race going into the Giro for a lot of these guys. And so, for me, we're seeing Yates kind of coming in looking really good. We expect that. You know, mm -hmm. Yates is a very good rider. He also has a lot of uh, unfinished business with the Giro. Um, G, coming in, he wasn't on the tour team, and he wanted to be sole leader. He's looking pretty good. Yeah. I think that extra little bit of time to race kind of helped him mold back into form. He obviously didn't have it for the tour. And... He's looking like a pretty strong contender. I'm a little bummed. You know, for me, earlier on this season, I was really hoping my, my pick for the Giro is Fuglesong, and didn't look that good. He looked like he's kind of wearing out a little bit. No, yeah. I mean, with him and Vlasov, I, uh, I, they had, you know, a few kind of the breakaways together, and I feel like Fuglesong like, dropped back, and I don't know who's going to be their dedicated leader. Vlasov, super young, uh, so I would have to think Fuglesong, but... Yeah, not ideally what you want to be coming into that race, but yeah, without Carapaz, which is kind of a bummer, it's a little more wide open because he would have, I think, without Eventable, <laughs> he would have been the heavy favorite, and sure. you know, just people start dropping off the list here. Yeah, and you know, in this Tour de France, you know, Carapaz got called in, and we're getting ready to transition to the Tour de France now. But this is kind of a good good seg segue. But he was called into the Tour de France kind of late. And mm -hmm. he's been doing a lot of work, and he's had a little bit of bad luck with wind or some flats and stuff. So, but he, but he's looked good, and um, yeah. as we'll see, you know, he's kind of kind of be a, a talking point throughout this last week of the tour. Yeah. So stage of sixteen here, um, Kamna ends up taking the win uh, over a minute um, by a minute over um, Carapaz. It was basically uh, they let a small break group go off the front. I think that stage I didn't like it. Um, the profile that is it's one of those ones that has uphill and then it kind of flattens and just this long lull and then a slight uphill and just whenever you flatten like that it's always kind of not a good day for any of the gc guys and i think they ended up giving them 16 i think they won by about 16 minutes or so yeah it was a pretty big margin there yeah i think it was like 10 or 12 riders or something it was like the biggest breakaway we had seen yeah oddly enough this has been a weird tour de france for breakaways and not sure if that's pandemic related or where they weren't sure what's going to happen, but yeah, they maybe very tight leash it seemed for breakaways. Yeah, this last week they kind of let it off, and maybe like you know, same thing. Once they got past that second rest day, they're like, okay, we're we're going to probably finish this, so we can let some time go now, and it's it's going to be like a normal situation. Yeah, well, stage seventeen, another like this last week, just real quick, is this all climbs? We talked about this in the preview. Climb day, climb day, climb day. Not necessarily like a GC climb day, but just climbing in your leg. Another one of these really cool stage. We see Carapaz again in the breakaway. And at this point, you're like, all right, is he kind of going for king of the mountains? Is he kind of just going for a stage win? Like, what is he kind of doing? And mm -hmm. it just looks like he's just kind of out training is kind of what it looked like. And he looked really good. And this stage ended up on the, what, Col de Lelos, Les. And it's like a, I guess it's like a ski resort. They kind of paved this bike path and yeah so it's just really tight they kind of made it seem like it was a really narrow road and it ended up not really being pretty narrow it was a bi bike path but it was perfectly paved and yeah it was big enough for a car to go on yeah um, cars not allowed on because it is a two-way sort of bike path but yeah still a really cool finish 
And we see Carapaz like putting time into everybody. And then he kind of just lost it and kind of faded away. So kind of a bummer. I was really kind of hoping Carapaz was going to win that stage. And But yeah, and Miguel Hanga Lopez actually won something. It's kind yeah, of a surprise. Yeah, he looks strong, like it, and it kind of uh, turned things around a little bit, I think, for his race and just his kind of position of where he had just been back in the wings waiting, and you're like, okay, maybe he's got a, a chance to do something here. Um, but yeah, he ended up taking the win 15 seconds over uh, Primos and 30 on Pogacar. Yeah, that was kind of interesting to me because... Primos and, and Pogacar were almost attached at the hip, this Tour de France. And this is the first kind of stage where we really see a, a gap that actually kept. And I actually thought Primos was going to gain more time. It looked like Pogacar actually cracked. Yeah, that was interesting because he came back a couple times. The The fight in him is insane. Yeah. That he was back and then almost there and then cracked it. And it's just kind of yo-yoing off, off the back of him. But he couldn't really, you know, drop him. Yeah, no, Prumas just could not put the hammer down enough and, you know, still looking good. I mean, I think he ended up at this point, he has almost a minute on Pogachar, And so, yeah, everything's looking good. But yeah, Pogachar actually looked kind of fatiguing in that moment. And I was like, man, this this could actually just be the end of Pogachar, But he, he managed to bring it back and and just only lose 15 seconds. Yeah, this next stage, 18, I thought this was a really cool stage. Um, it's Hershey and Carapaz are basically... We're the two who are going to go after the polka dots here. And so there's a break, uh, and it ends up being Hershey, Carapaz, and uh, Kubikowski going. I think there was, I think Bill Bow maybe was there as well. So there's the four of them, and every KOM sprint, you know, point at the end, Hershey's taking it. And he's he's got better punch than Carapaz, and he's beating him on all of them. Yeah. And so they're going through, and... I don't know exactly what it was. Maybe he just overcooked it a bit because Carapaz was off the front. It wasn't like an attack or anything. And on a descent, he just loses it. And the wheel comes out pretty pretty hard crash. It did not look comfortable. Um, and yeah. he ends up being about a minute or so, loses, and, and just is never able to really close that gap down on, on Carapaz and Kiwakowski and, and Bilbao. Which is kind of shocking, too, because when we watched Hirschi, you know, in the first two weeks when he was on those attacks, like, he was beating everyone on the descent. And so, like, some, taking some crazy risks, too, and so kind of not necessarily doing a, a, a crazy descent and just kind of slipping out was kind yeah. of unfortunate. Yeah, unfortunate and definitely just a little odd because it wasn't too crazy, but, I mean, things like that always happen. Yeah, well, and it's kind of ironic, too, because as far as the stage and, and these two guys fighting for the King of the Mountains, because we were talking about this last week about how the polka dot jersey has kind of just been boring. For years. Yeah. As long as I've watched the tour, it's been relatively boring. And it's also not been the best climber. Yeah. Which, you know, so far, the two of them have been very good climbers. So, I mean, both deserving winners. Yeah, I mean, the stage here, she got caught near the end when he was trying to link up with the GC guys. He was gaining time on everyone yeah. at the time. And so, yeah, it's actually just a cool battle to see, and it's kind of funny that we were just complaining about it. But, yeah, yeah nice to see Carapaz riding to try to salvage, you know, Ineos' Tour de France with Bernal. I think he abandoned on this stage, and, yeah, just unfortunate ending for them and kind of a sad way to kind of end the dynasty in a sense so far, but we'll see what they do next season. But Cool finish, though. Kubikowski and Carapaz come in side by side and... Looks like, you know, I think that's one of those things when you suffer together, you you become pretty tight. And I don't know if they were beforehand, but 
Yeah. They just seem to really enjoy that time together. So it's, yeah. it's cool to see. And Yeah, we kind of commented. I was like, I wonder if Kiwakowski would have had the same relationship with Bernal. You know, to me, it seemed like Ineos, the main old, the old guard of the Domestiques, didn't seem like they bonded with Bernal. But yeah. it could just be me. I don't, I don't watch their team all the time, but it just kind of just doesn't seem like they, they were just there to do their job. They didn't seem to really care for their leaders. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I will think, you know, like, Kiwakowski is a, an attacking rider and so is Carapaz, and I'm, I'm sure that is kind of a mutual respect thing as well. Yeah. I, I think a rider like that is really appreciates somebody else doing the same, and he did a ton of work for Carapaz that whole time to keep them away. So it's, Yeah, pretty cool. Well, stage 19, I didn't, you know, I had a pretty, I usually watch the Tour de France at lunch at work, did not have a chance to watch anything during work, so I had to squeeze what I could in um, at night or read text highlights, and, which is never the way to experience a Tour de France, so I didn't get to see this one at all, so I'm going to have to lean on you on this one. Yeah, so this one is maybe my least favorite type of, of finish. It's It's the ones that you see in the classics where... There's a group of riders that come into the breakaway. We have um, Craig Anderson there. I think Trentin's there. Uh, GVA's there. Sagan's there. Sam Bennett's there. Stoyvin was there. Stoyvin, I think another Dakunik rider. So Bennett's whole thing is, I'm following Sagan so he doesn't get points. That's all he cares about at, at, at this stage. It makes perfect sense. So Sagan's obviously there trying to close down gaps when guys go. And he's doing that and up until a point, and no one else is really doing anything else and Craig Anderson goes off after there's a few attacks and you know he picks the time he you know he can do whatever he wants he goes off everyone looks at each other nobody chases and it kind of reminds you of another stage doesn't it yeah <laughs> the previous stage that uh, Soren Craig Anderson won kind of the exact same thing happened yeah and I mean just it's my most hated type and I mean you don't have to obviously work for Sagan or something like that but nobody else will then I think GVA and somebody else goes off and there's maybe two kilometers to go and then they go off the front. For what? Like, if you were going to put in that work or had that ability, what's the... You're not getting any points. You're not getting... It's... You're there for a stage one, not to To podium. get second or third or... Especially yeah. for GVA and CCC that they've had nothing this this whole tour. Yeah. And you, you kind of play it like that. It's just... It's just kind of lame to me. And no, I mean... Perfectly played by Craig Anderson, but everybody else is just... Craig Anderson and Bennett, they, they knew what they were doing, but everybody else kind of messed yeah. that up. Well, it almost reminds you... So we talked about this as well. It's like, I think it's just revenge, in a sense, against Bora, where they put Could be. everyone in this race to the limit on stages that they shouldn't have in, in everyone else's mind. And so I think it's just like, we don't want to help Sagan at any way at all. Like it's almost like punishment. Like, hey, you can chase everything down. We're not going to do a lick of anything. But in the end, it, it bites them. It's something Cancellara always complained about. It's like, you know, he'd always have that happen to him, and then he'd always break away at the last second and take second or something. Same thing here. It's like everyone should be racing to win the race, not yeah. whether or not they're helping Sagan get points or whatever. Like, who cares? Like, you need to win some stages for your team. Yeah, like I said, for Craig Anderson, perfect. For Bennett, perfect. You know, his team's playing it. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing that everybody else there is messing up. I will say, if you asked me at the beginning of this Tour de France who was going to be, like, sort of the best team, I never would have picked Sunweb. 
That's true. Tactically, you've had a phenomenal race. I don't think they picked themselves. <laughs> and their, but the, the way that they set up their team, it was not designed to, yeah. to win. Well, you would think that. Maybe they knew this all along. I have no idea. Maybe they knew how good he or she was, and they knew... Maybe they had better... We talked... I, I mentioned this earlier today where after seeing everything play out the way it did, mm -hmm. I wonder if they were thinking if we brought Michael Matthews, we're going to have to work for Green. He may not really even get Green. And do we want to warp our whole team around trying to get something we may not get? And so they made that decision to say, all right, let's bring these other guys that have a lot of talent and we can see how they do and give them a test. Yeah. And they've performed pretty well. I mean, they've worked great as a team. Yeah, I mean, we'll see if uh, they keep any of these good guys. So that's a whole other thing. Of course. But yeah, anyway, just, I got to give them credit. I mean, I, they, for sure. They're for a sure. team that we were kind of talking crap going into this race and they've, they've had the goods. I think won three or four stages. So yeah. good for them. Uh, well, let's get to stage 20. This is a the last day of GC, right? Time trial, awesome profile. It's going to be, it's going to be exciting. Yeah. Well, was it exciting? Uh, I think so. I think that's probably one of the best time trials that I've seen, uh, and definitely one of the best finishes to the tour that I've seen. Yeah, so real quick, there's three things at play here, right? Obvious one, Pogachar and Primos, you know, they're a minute apart. They're both good time trialists, you know, Pogachar, both Slovenian. Pogachar just beat him at the National Time Trial Championship, so there's a little bit of a rivalry there, and you don't know what's going to happen. The other thing is we have Richie Port going, I want to get on the podium. He's fourth place, a minute and a half behind Lopez, who's not a good time trialist. Port is a good time trialist. And then, so that's that's a storyline. And then we also have Carapaz. Yeah. Guy is technically leading the polka dots by, by two points. And Primos or Pogachar are both in the, both have the capacity to win the polka dots, depending on how the time trial goes. And so they're kind of interesting uh, I'll start off with this part. You know, Carapaz decides he wants this polka dots, and so he kind of takes a relatively cool pace through. So they were awarding points based on best time up the climb and not the whole time trial, right? Yeah, I think it was the last 5.9K. Yeah, so he was like, all right, I'm going to take it easy, do a good pace so I don't miss the time cut, but I really want this polka dots. So that, that was a cool storyline for me, but I'll, I'll let you kind of finish the rest of this stage. Yeah, so, I mean, that's obviously super awesome, and then we're... We're watching everybody go off. Big one, you know, Dumoulin. We don't really see him go off, and they don't have much coverage, so we're waiting to see where he goes. And I'm technically, I'm super excited, because I, I suspected <laughs> Tom Dumoulin was going to be the best rider in the third week of the Tour de France. So far, didn't really seem to be the case, but I still had hopes for this time trial. And so I didn't hear from him at all. And we were gone all weekend with no cell service, and so we got home today and kind of caught up and... I didn't see any news or anything, and so I was like, I don't see him. They're not talking yeah. about like, him. Like, did he start? Yeah. yeah. Like, Rider 9 they're showing, Rider 8, Rider 7. They're showing everyone in the top 10 except for Dumoulin. I'm like, they got to the first time cut. I'm like, where is he even in this race? And I'm like, yeah. going nuts. And eventually, they, they finally do have a time cut. I would say, who is in this race? If, you know, teammate is Wout. <laughs> and we have to touch on that. Because, yeah. I mean, obviously, great time trials, but you wouldn't think with the climb. And he ends up, you know, at the time takes the pole position, then I think shortly after, Dumoulin finishes, takes the position from him. I'm feeling justified at that point. Yeah. And then we see Pochakar and Primos going, and at the moment, they're both looking really good. A little slower, um, Primos back, then we get the first time cut, 
or time check, and Pochikar is, I don't know, 20 seconds or so ahead of him. I think it was 12 or 13 at that point. Maybe at the first one. Yeah. But he looks, I was like, he's either going too hard or is on some crazy form right yeah. now. And he's just continually gaining time. And you can tell, too, by just their body position and how they're going that Primos is suffering more and more as this goes on. Yeah. And we get to, um, Pojakar gets to Lopez and just blasts past him. Yeah. Two minutes ahead. Didn't even look like Lopez was riding his bike. And the complete different, though, is when Primos got to Lopez, because everyone passed Lopez. You know, Port passed it. <laughs> everyone passed him. But when, uh, when he got there, he was on his wheel for quite a while, which, too long, I think. But In Primos' defense, he caught him on the climb. But still. So, yeah, no. But he was quite a while back, and sure. then, then eventually slowly pulls away. And it, I think that kind of just, for me, showed what was going on. Just complete difference in... And how quickly you can pass someone. Yeah. And well, like you had said, like just the body position. And yeah. Watching him, because like when we were watching it, you're like first time check. It's you know relatively flat, little rolly, and we saw this with Watt Van Aert earlier in the stage. You know, Remy Kavegna was the leader of the time trial for three hours. Yeah. And so they had a time check of Watt, and he was like so far behind Remy, and just started slow, but every time check he just got faster and faster. And so we're like, all right, you know, Primos. Who knows, man? Like, maybe he's kind of doing a wild thing. He's just dosing it because he knows this last climb is hard. And, yeah, it's just a, it, it was an interesting time trial to say. But, yeah, least. once we got to the bike change point, it was all over. Partially, I think, just the mental buildup. I think uh, it looked like Pochgar had a really clean bike change mm -hmm. back on it and quick climbing. By the time that Primos got there, there was, a, a like, a momentary... Um, I don't know, he's trying to pull the bike off the car and it was a little stuck. But I think it's just, which wasn't much, but he lost a few seconds. But I think the mental part, and yeah. it was slower to get off, slower. Everything was just building slower and slower. Mm -hmm. And his body position's worse and worse. And you kind of see him, which you never see him suffer. And he yeah. always looks perfect on the bike. And yeah, Pochakar just continued to pull it out. And it almost ended up being, I think it was like minute 50 or something like that, that he ends up beating... Primos and yeah, it wasn't even yellow. close. No, not at all. Because I think Primos got fifth or sixth. Like Wout beat him. Uh, Tom Dom. Tom Dom. Richie Port beat him. Yeah, right. Richie, Port. Richie Port. Yeah. Which I mean, we'll give him his his dues at the takeaways, but really awesome that he was able to come back. He had some some bad luck in recent years. Yeah. No, great to see that. But yeah, just the you know they called the race of truth, and like today it it showed like. It, it almost reminded me of when Schleck was in yellow going against Contador. And you knew, like, how much time was Schleck going to lose, you know? So it was kind of yeah. interesting to watch. And you weren't, I just wasn't expecting that today. Like, Not like that. I don't think anyone was expecting that amount of time. Maybe, you know, Pojakar, I don't think he was the favorite to win uh, between the two of them, that is. But nobody was like, oh, you know, maybe if he wins, it's... 10 seconds, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, max. Yeah. He has a minute to play with. You know? Yeah. It's not a minute and a half, two minutes that he's going to win by. Oh, yeah. But I guess, you know, that's, if you crack and you're not feeling it, that's that's all it takes, especially on a climb like that where you're hitting 20%. And, and that last little kicker, <laughs> everybody who came over that, it was kind of cool. It's like the last 350 meters, you're like, is this taking people 30, 
45 seconds just to get over this little like hump it's like says like 75 meters and you're just like this is forever and you just kind of see them their head kind of crest to the hill because the camera's up above and you just kind of see the rider come up and i mean some riders probably took a minute you know oh yeah or something but yeah i mean just a a crazy ending to this tour de france and you had all three of these like storylines we were talking about and in the end, Pogacar just won them all. He's like, yeah, I'll take the polka dots, I'll take the white, I'll take the yellow, I'll take, just give me any any of the jerseys, just give them all to <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah, pretty impressive by him. I mean, kid's 21. Now officially, like, what, the youngest kid to ever win the Tour de France. I think they said since, like, the modern era. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Bernal. I mean, he just had that I know. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, hmm, where, where's Rimko at? Is he still younger? We'll see. <sighs> Yeah, anyway, props to Pogachar. I mean, he never gave up in this tour. I'll give him lots of credit. I didn't know what he was going to do. I mean, obviously he got third in the Vuelta, so the hope and the pressure on him was to do something impressive in the Tour de France. And I don't know who, I don't even know if his team would have picked him to win, to be honest. I mean, they didn't. They picked Aru to win, which (laughs) I I can't believe that he didn't finish, you know, Aru's. Well, that's so crazy. Like, you know, he was the named leader, which is sort of, just hilarious it was a joke i mean come on but i mean i think going into the actual tour they kind of switched it right before but like earlier in the year they were like aru's our guy kind of i think everyone laughed at that but i I mean honestly i just don't think anyone expected Car to win and no no one surprised he won i mean he performed well just with every race he's done this year yeah well i guess we'll get in a second but stage 21 on the champs i hate i hate the champs i'm gonna throw it out there it's getting a little boring it is because it's. I know they do their procession and, and all that. That part I like. But it's just the same thing every year. There's a break that tries to go, doesn't go, and then then we have a bunch sprint. And how much better was it? Like if there was a time trial finish, how it was. That would have been was, a phenomenal ending. Because we saw that in the Giro, it ended on a time trial, and that's probably gone down as one of the better Grand Tours and in recent history yeah so i don't know i'm just overseeing the same thing over and over again i I agree the one thing i'd like about this stage is it gives the team a chance to ride together and celebrate their victory like that part of it i do like um but yeah i think it could have been better served i mean the champs is just sort of getting like you said it's too predictable it's too boring like oh there's an attack oh they're gonna pull it in they're gonna do the laps like the gaps are only 10 seconds. Like, they don't let them get away, you know? So, until I see a breakaway win on the Champs, like, I'm kind of just over the stage as well. I mean, they kind of learned that it was boring, and then they went to, like, let's do it at night. And, like, yeah. that was cool the first time, and now it's just it's just kind of boring. Yeah, but, so, it was kind of, I guess, saying all that, it was kind of cool just because they left it a little bit later. There was a break off the front with GVA and Shockman. They catch them, and it just makes it a little messier. Uh, not too much differences than you would normally see, but a little bit messier, and Takunik just does their thing. Uh, I think Ewan was pretty burned out from the hills, and he just barely made it to the finish, I feel like. Yeah. And Bennett was riding high on on his previous stage win and winning green. Yeah. And, yeah, he takes the win. Yeah, I mean, it was a messy sprint. I thought it was going to be a crash, to be honest, because I saw some people bump into some people. There was these there was waves. A lot and... of swerving and... Like you said, they let it out. They, they caught the break a little too late, you know, with like four or five k to go, and the sprint trains were all just trying to catch up at that point and yeah. put their put their note on it, and it kind of got a little crazy. But yeah, I mean, I'm ready to see something else. 
on the final stage for sure. Yeah, because if you swap this and, you know, had a sprint stage and then finished with the TT, people would be like, this is the best tour ever. Like, yeah, it was, that stage was phenomenal. I mean, like I said, there's all those three different storylines going on about fighting for a podium spot, which doesn't always happen. Yeah. Fighting for King of the Mountains, which never happens. And fighting for Yellow, which hardly happens, yeah. you know, really. When it's all to play for, like, right at the end, that that's obviously what's going to build up the drama and what's yeah. going to be really interesting. And with a TT like this, we saw huge time gaps. Even if they're not, you know, you can't plan and say, oh, there's going to be probably one to three minute gaps between the top ten. But if you have a TT that's like this, it's going to create large gaps. So there's yeah. going to be movement. And mm -hmm. then if you do that at the last stage... It's going to be all to play for, and and especially it's, you know, you can finish and you can leave everything out there because there's no tomorrow. Like, yeah. it, it, all of it just kind of builds up and is, is a little more interesting. Now, what could have happened, what if Sagan actually was a little closer and it came down to, like, the last stage to decide green? That, that could have made it a little more exciting to watch the finale, but it's that still just kind of... could have, but I think that happens less often, and it's less of prestige in you know the yeah. yellow and every everything else that's going on so it's it's just a lesser storyline in general makes sense well let's get to the takeaways of the tour de france let's start with one thing that i'll say is there was a lot more up there was more things up for in the air as far as like jersey classifications going into the last week yeah almost always it's never that way and so it was pretty interesting to see. Um, I mean, even, I'm kind of looking at it right now, but, you know, Movistar again won the team classification. But for a while there, they weren't in it. Kudos to them, man. That, that's a big one that they, they target every year. Dude. At this point, it's like Sagan wearing, winning green, except for this year. Like, yeah. it was just always going to be them. But even this jersey was a little bit... Um, it had switched around the, a little bit. Up in the air. Usually, Movistar has it pretty early on and just kind of keeps it. But, but yeah, like, green was pretty contested. Polka dots for sure. Polka dots was contested right up, right up to the end. Yellow was right there up to the end. So, I don't know if it's just the the types of riders and who was in the Tour de France and, and forms and stuff, or if it was related to the shutdown of the season and the restart and or what. But it just seemed like there was more going on in the last week that meant more. I think it. I mean, I know Yumbo was incredibly strong and as strong as any of the Sky teams. It seemed like back in the day except maybe their GC rider. Um, but I think that's probably a big difference that there wasn't that same sky train. And, and maybe I think that part of that comes along with, with a respect of that, where people won't do certain things that even if they can or can't, it seemed like that they kind of like honor the sky train and honor the, the yellow Jersey and that. And mm -hmm. Yumbo's this new team, you know, relatively in the sense of, of, GC and, and being a dominant force. So I think that's a little different and that kind of created a little bit. Everyone was like, there's there's a little more to play for. There's there's more options here than than we've ever had before. Yeah. Um, also, the but I mean, on the other side of that, the bigger takeaway is Pochakar winning with no team. Because clearly they had, because I mean, Dumoulin, Primos, and uh, Wout all finished in the top, what, five or six in the time trial. Yeah. Just shows how strong the team was. It's ridiculous. Even Sepp Kuss wasn't too far back. Yeah, know? Kuss I mean, he was... He finished at, top 15 or something in the tour, so... Martin probably wasn't too, too far back. Like, yeah. it's just kind of crazy. And then you have somebody else 
which goes to show, which is, is really cool, that you don't have to race it that way to win. You can, you know, ride somebody else's team because if you're the best, you're the best. That's all it's going to come down to. Like, they have mm -hmm. to drop you. And even with him getting bad luck, you know, getting caught in the crosswinds. It's true. Which allowed him to attack, which, you know, he wouldn't have had to. So I think it kind of evens out. Yeah. But he was clearly the best throughout the three weeks. So it doesn't really matter about the team at that point. Yeah. No, that was pretty interesting. I think that, you know, for me, the takeaway is Pogachar, best rider in the Tour this year. Yeah. But extremely lucky because he didn't have the team. And yeah. Like, you know, we see we see that with Richie Port where he lost time because he had a flat tire and, and, you know, he didn't have a guy to give him a bike and, and everything else. You know, he had another mechanical and I think Ellison gave him a bike. And so he, he had the luxury of having at least some guys with him. And, you know, with, with Pogachar, like, he just didn't have that. He had sometimes De La Cruz and, you know, he had a couple guys, but they weren't always around. It was like, will he have team with him or will he not? And so, mostly not. <laughs> yeah, mostly not. And so he kind of reminded me of Bookman last year on Bora where he got fourth and everyone was like, that's amazing. And what can you do next year? And they actually brought a real team with him. But but this year, like, I mean, Pogachar, best rider, like I said, but there is an element of luck in not getting a flat and not getting For sure. things where he there's some noticeably didn't have his team with him. And, you know, Roglic as well, he didn't have any bad luck either, you know, but he did have team with him just in case. Yeah, I mean, there's some luck there, but I feel like also in the same way, knew Richie Port was not going to like that gravel stage. Like, I I know <laughs> I know what's up. Like, we're like the same size. So it's just can't, without the extra weight, you do not ride well yeah. on the dirt and gravel like that. He ends up getting a flat. Pojakar, I remember, I think it was last year, I forgot which tour that, he attacked on that that one little where the video cut out yeah and like there was like a gravel section he crashed and yeah he yeah. like attacked on that so like we know he can ride that kind of stuff so it's a little bit that comes into play of like your bike handling and and everything like that um but yeah i mean also the major thing of richie port just getting up in the third and, and fighting because yeah when he got that flat on that you were like he's out and he caught up to the main group and did it all pretty much on his own. He looked really good, this Tour de France. I mean, at his age, I mean, I think he's like 35 or something. Like, he's getting up there, and it's like, to be that competitive in, with a bunch of guys who are in their prime or younger. Oh, yeah, you know? pre-prime. Yeah, like, to hold his own and, and finish third was just really impressive by him. Really good performance and good result for Trek. I, I can't remember the last time they had a guy on a podium, you know. No. Been a while since Contra and that's, even. I, I think that's really cool for him. I mean, I don't know if, at a point, I'm sure he wanted to win, but sure. at this point, I think podium is, is a win for him. Honestly, when it comes to the Tour de France, like just being on the podium is, is just impressive because the Tour de France is so hard and there's so many variables, and he knows this. Like, luck is extremely involved because he's crashed out twice on the same stage time. So yeah. kind of a trope for him now, and to see him actually come through unscathed and not crash into a back of a motorbike, going up a climb, or, or anything else. like Somebody outrun you up the hill. <laughs> <laughs> it's that cross-training, man. Yeah. Everyone does cross-training. Yeah. But yeah, just to see that, it, I, I was pretty pretty happy for Port. I, I've been giving Port more crap lately because I'm a Trek fan, and seeing him come over originally, I was super stoked because he was um, he had had some bad luck on BMC, and I was really hoping he could come in. and He just didn't look good the last couple of seasons. And so yeah. see him kind of... Complete his task. Even though he didn't win, I think this is a pretty... Port for the Vuelta, dude, maybe. <laughs> it's true. Everyone's going to the Vuelta now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Overall, 
the one thing I will say about the Tour de France that I still kind of find disappointing, and it's not their fault per se, but it always seems to come down to just two guys. Like, the top three to ten, like, almost inconsequential. Yeah. You know, Port finished, he was three, over three minutes back, and it just got even worse from there. Yeah. I feel like this year had some pretty big time gaps from three to ten. I don't remember it being as bad as it was. Well, this time trial definitely added to that, but still. Yeah, I don't know. Overall, pretty interesting. I'll say this Tour de France was good. Yeah, it was good. It was pretty phenomenal. All the, There was a lot of excitement in these stages, even though there wasn't a lot of breakaways. Great storylines. You know, Alaphilippe was in yellow on stage two, just like everyone thought. Kristoff winning stage one was crazy. Yeah, just out of nowhere. He or she, like, probably the Doing biggest everything. story. Doing everything. Pogacar, okay, biggest story of the Tour de France. But he or she, pretty huge story of this tour. I mean, he just looked great for multiple stages and... You know, obviously, his agent is Fabian Cancellara, so he's going to be, you know, yeah. the next I'll be interested coming. to see who he rides for next year. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Trek will pick <laughs> You wish. I do. Yeah, I don't know. It was um, definitely nice to see the Tour de France finish. I know there was always talk of it canceling at any moment. And just nice to see cycling back in general. But overall, I mean, just a, a lot of crazy stories in this tour with Ineos not winning, not even being there because Bernal had injuries or whatever. We've seen that once with Froome crashing out, but yeah. just not something you see. And, and Primo's just doing what he was expected to do the entire tour and then falling apart on the last stage and Pogachar just always being around. Like, it was just a pretty exciting tour, actually. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap that up. Let's get on to next week. Yeah, so World Championships... Always, uh, usually ends on my birthday, but we got a little, little changes on here. So, um, looks like we have, uh, what day the time trial is, but that's this week. And I think the men's elite road race ends on Sunday. Yeah. I don't, I didn't get the day of the time trial. There's... I feel like it's usually a Wednesday. I don't know why. Well, I was, originally it was like going to conflict with the Tour de France and they weren't going to, anyone that was in the tour wasn't going to be able to do the time trial. And so I don't, honestly, bad research on my part. I was kind of running out of time today. But I don't know when that is, but kind of a boring, pretty basic time trial. Yeah, so it looks like it's going to be one for who's just powerful on the flats. Like, it's not a real specific climb. Or... There's a little rolly. You know, it's not pancake flat by any means, but there's no, like, categorized climb or anything like that. But yeah. it is a, a rolly sort of bumpy time trial, so it's still just going to be who's who's specialist for this for sure yeah and i'd have to think you know going into this ghana has to be very high at, at the list if not the the top candidate here yeah uh, probably rohan dennis as well he always focuses on this wow i feel like could be a wild card just the only thing that i would would hold him back is if he's too tired from the tour that would be the only thing but it, i mean after today doesn't look like he is so yeah going from first on the mountain time trial to like sixth place and the sprint for the on the shops yeah and like, he recently beat campenarts uh, uh for the belgian time trial class yeah. or uh, championship so and i think that was kind of more of a normal flattish uh, time trial profile guy just has the goods though yeah so i see them um that's that's probably about it um yeah, Campernards is technically there. I mean, like you said, the thing with Wout is he's just done the whole Tour de France, doing a lot of work, whether yeah. climbing up a mountain, pulling his team around, winning sprint stages, doing really well in, a, in the uh, time trial that just ended on Saturday. I mean, 
guys put in burned a lot of calories this tour. So no one's really saying like he should win this, but he's always, as we've seen this entire Tour de France, what can't he do? He's, he he's definitely could. I think just if, in the, if he's in. not too tired, it's it, I think it's between him and uh, Ghana. Yeah, I don't know. I think Dennis was in the Torino, but I didn't really see him do much of anything. Yeah, he, he was just kind of doing domestic work, and I'm sure he'll do really well. I, I just don't really care for him either. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of him at all, whether it's just his attitude or whatever. I've never really been a fan of Rohan Dennis. I thought it was interesting when he originally wanted to try to do um, GC on BMC, and then he quickly realized it's not for him. And, and yeah. total respect for that, but last couple of seasons, I just haven't really been a fan. Like He's great at the time trial, and I expect him to be one of the top placings and if he wins i'm not going to be surprised whatsoever but i think ghana is like on a mission to win this thing yeah that would be pretty awesome i mean i mean they're on the same team too it's funny but yeah yeah i could see ghana winning so this takes us to the road race so this world championships was supposed to be in switzerland and then it just recently got switched over to um is this spain or italy uh imola i can't remember i feel like it's italy I don't remember. We could just be 100% wrong and just, it's none of those places. So what they did is they tried to emulate the course as close as possible, and so they wanted it to be a climby one like it was originally supposed to be, and so it's a circuit race, and I forget how long the circuit is, but they do like 12 or 13 laps, and it's a lot of climbing feet, but it's not a lot of steep gradients per se. Like the, the final, the climb itself starts steep and ends shallow, and so I don't expect to see you know, a Liege-Bastogne-Liege finish or like an Alaphilippe type thing where he can sprint to the line because it's a descent down into the finish. And so I don't know how this one's going to go. I think it's sort of, I don't think it really fits the the Pierce climbers, but I wouldn't be surprised if they won. But I kind of see it more as like a climby classics guy, like an Alaphilippe or a GBA or something. Yeah, that's kind of who I see winning. It is in Italy. Okay. Um, but so I, I'm thinking favorites are... Owl Philippe, uh, I think Shockman, they both have a similar kind of build and style. I don't know if Hershey's here, but maybe Hershey. I think the I think the climb is just enough. It's about a kilometer of ten or twelve percent average where just that launch pad for these guys and sure. and guys who will take the risks on the descent. Um don't forget, so I, don't forget Wout. Oh. <laughs> obviously Wout on any course. It could be a hill finish. <laughs> Um, could have a random uh, Bardet or something like that who on the the last year or no prior year he was kind of up there with him and Woods and, and yeah. Alverde that was just a cool cool course yeah so I think a, a rider like that uh, probably I think Alaphilippe or, or um, Shockman it, it also depends too the, the little bit of differences is I know some of the countries have much stronger teams but then if you're yeah. if your trade team is riding for you as well we've seen that a lot with Sagani he only has a couple guys usually but his whole yeah. team rides for him so yeah, it's exactly so it's kind of you know kind of like having a regular team yeah, it's always hard to know because we don't have a lot of climb heavy world championships you know they're usually classics focused or sprinter focused which is sort of the same at 260 kilometers or whatever it's you know, kind of one and the same at that point, but it's a long day, but it's a lot of climbing. I guess it feet. could be like that last one. The was it the Norway one that um, Sagan had won against Kristoff? 
where it also looked very climby. It was kind of the same thing. It was a circuit repeat and there were some climbs in there and maybe they just didn't run it hard enough. It was yeah. one of that one where it kind of the footage cut out, but there was a decent sized group of probably at least 15 or, or so riders and came down to Kristoff and Sagan. So, you know, it's, it's not definitely a climber's finish yeah, on there, exactly. which everyone was like, this is going to be, you know, a climber's kind of thing. No way all three So Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're right. It is, you said this earlier today before the show is, it really depends on how the course is ridden. Yeah. You know, are they going to try to up the pace and drop some of these guys earlier on? Or try to control it? Because, I mean, there's, I mean, you, there's lots of guys who that, they want you know their sprinter or something to win. So if they have a good enough team to control that, so say you have like Italy and they're riding for, I think they're riding for Nibali, but say they're riding for like Nizzolo or something. So like, well, we're not going to go that hard to, to blow out our sprinter. Yeah. And we have a strong team so we can control it up front. So it, it kind of just depends, uh, I think, a big part on that. Yeah. The only ones I kind of pick of like Wout and Shockman and Al Fleep is because can they can descend. win on both things and yep. they can descend. Yeah, we saw Wout pulling away from Alaphilippe on a descent, right? And on stage two, I believe that was. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I can't pick this race. This is a really hard one. I mean, you're gonna could, have to pick it. I'm gonna have to pick one. I'm gonna pick. I mean, Nibali is not actually. I'm not gonna pick Nibali because I hate him. But it's actually a, a good race for him. It is, and it's you know in, in Italy. But I, ah oh, man, I don't know. It's this is a tough one. I think. I don't even think Alaphilippe can win. I mean, I think he's just tired. So, like, I think it's a race for him, for sure. I'm going to have to go with GBA. I mean, it looks like he's been really working these climbs all Tour de France. That's true. And so I think, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets 25th, but I'm going to pick GBA because he's been working super hard for it, and it's he knows his chances of winning this thing are just dwindling. So, go with GBA. All right. Who are you going for? I'll flip Shackman or, or Wout. <laughs> okay, great. Good for you. Must be, that's a tough pick. I don't know how I struggled so much. Didn't know I could pick three. Well, you should have gone second. Then you could yeah. pick as many as you want. Ah, you don't know how that works. Classic. Uh, Who are you picking, man? I'll go out with Fleet because I, I think it kind of suits him, and I think he'll try really hard. Yeah, I mean, maybe a few days rest after the Tour de France is just what he needs, but he put on a lot of work in this race, and I just couldn't really get a whole lot out of it um, besides a few days in yellow and stage. just couldn't find that extra stage win that he was really looking for, but... He maybe just... he was training for himself as well. He's, you know, trying to go over these climbs and... Yeah. No one's going to be upset if Alphalete wins the world championships. I mean, that's no one will be, be surprised either. That's going to be a guy in, in, in the rainbow colors that everyone wants to see anyway. So yeah, I don't know. I know one person who doesn't want to see GBA in rainbows. Well, that's true. Do you think Sagan has a chance? <laughs> <laughs> Sagan always has a chance. That's the unfortunate thing with Sagan is he hasn't looked that's his best. That's why I'm but sick of watching it because it just gives me a little too much hope. I know. Just it's like, just retire so I have no more hope. Just stop. One more year, dude. Yeah. I think that wraps up this week. Um, next week, we're going to just talk about what happened to the World Championships. And I don't know. It's kind of like, oddly enough, we're in a tiny lull of racing. I think there's going to be some races, obviously. But the Giro is coming up, I think, October 3rd. I thought it was the end of September. But it's actually October 3rd, I think. And then after that, a week or so in, we're going to have some classics. Man. Yeah. We've got some big ones. San Sagan. So... You know, you don't have to worry, but it's almost like you're, that's like, these classics are going to be like a prep for Sagan being retired. It's true. It's going to be really nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll see you next week. See ya.